Hi guys, welcome back to the Build and Drive podcast. I'm your resident racing car driver, Spike Goddard, and I'm here with... And I'm Jeff. Uh, most may know me from uh, YouTube as Home Built by Jeff, building crazy jalopies in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> All sorts of yeah, weird and wonderful things that I try and uh, slap together. Yeah. <laughs> So what's new with uh, your projects this week? Uh, this week, uh, this week I spent a lot of time uh, working on the Ferrari engine itself. So uh, basically uh, tackling you see, every little bit. I know I said this last week, but every little bit on this car has to be tidied up and painted before it goes back in the car. You know, so everything looks brand new on the car. And because I'm working with so much old stuff it takes a long time so even this engine which is you know it's a more modern engine than the car it's still a 22 year old engine so uh yeah everything needs to be tidied up so going through and painting all the uh, all the the bits you know stripping the, the engine down and painting all the bits and um some of the, the the pulleys on the timing belts were all sort of rusty and stuff so having to sort of just tidy them up and then going through and doing all the servicing so um on the Ferrari engine, I was uh, one thing I came across, which uh, apparently is not uncommon, but uh, uh, I'd never come across it before. Is when I changed the timing belts on the engine. Uh, you know, the, most of the stuff is the same as everything. You you sort of you know lock off the tensioners and take the tension off and and take the belts off, put new belts on. But to get the tension right. You actually have to play the belts. So basically, like a guitar string, you strum the the belt on on sort of either side of the belt. Uh, so, you know, because sometimes one side of the uh, the belt might have more tension than the other. But but you have to play both sides of the belt and record it on a on a device. Measure the frequency that they strum at. And obviously, it's not like a guitar string where it's really you know much higher pitches. A very low. Doom. On the on the belt, that add those two together, and, and that's how you get the the free, the, um, the actual right tension, which I thought was a, an amazing. That is the thing. most Italian thing I've ever heard of. Well, yeah, apparently Ducatis are the same. So that, again, that's another yeah Italian. They Italian couldn't thing. figure out a real way of doing it. So <laughs> it was obviously getting to the end of the day, and they said, "Wait a minute, yeah. strum it and." job done yes yeah, see, see most of them i've seen if like you, you you sort of push it in the middle and it shouldn't deflect more than a centimeter or something like yeah. that and in, in the you know in the middle of the belt that's sort of the, the rough way to test it but then of course it's how much force do you do you push it in the middle to make it get a centimeter deflection you know like so i sort of get it but it's still it's still interesting there's probably a measurement somewhere that's more accurate that's by yeah. the manual that's by that's as per Ferrari. That is how you you do it. Like you've got to get the tensioner within a certain, um, like the sort of a gap on the tensioner. You use a feeler gauge and get it within a a range. But it's one point nine to two point two point three millimeters. So so like it's 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 quite a big gap. It's not it's not a really fine gap. And I mean, I suppose to be honest, as long as they're tight, to you, you know, as long as they're not going to slip. That's really what you're after. It just yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I just I just found it really really interesting. Like Ferrari have a specific tool, but you can actually get apps now. Um, a belt manufacturer, Gates, uh, has a free app that I used, and and 
measured the uh, measured the timing with a by by playing the belts. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was cool, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it works. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of people also sort of wondering why I didn't change the uh, the the cam seals. So basically, on the end of the cams, behind the uh, between the sort of the pulleys, where they come out from the uh, uh, the cam covers, there's rubber sort of circular rubber seals. The trouble is, is that to change the seals, you either have to take the cams completely out and slide it off the back of the cam, or take the um, the, the cog off of the front. And by taking the cog off the front, it's it's got the variable valve timing in there, and it's uh, and it's sort of a, an adjustable thing. And I might look at it. I actually have the seals to change them, but I don't want to go. I don't want to pull the cams out because then you start messing around with the. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to need new bolts to put in if I pull the cams out because if I change to pull the bolts out, then the tensions aren't going to necessarily be right again. I haven't looked into it. Uh, I'm not sure whether I could reuse the same the same bolt. So that means going through and. Yeah, it's just it's opening a can of worms that I prefer not to open. Um, yeah, I'm going to and and the the seals look like they're in in reasonable condition. They're not they're not super dry or brittle or anything. They're they're, they're still quite you know relatively soft and rubbery. So I'm going to I, I'm thinking I'm going to just let it fly and see how it goes. At worst, it's going to have a tiny little little you know drip of oil come out of there every yeah. now and then. So. And you said it's 22-year-old engine or whatever. Yes. Do you know how long the engine's been out of a car, i.e. not doing anything? I'm not exactly sure, but I imagine quite some time. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a 2000 model Ferrari that was crashed in Japan at 20 and had 27,000 kilometers on the clock. So... It's not a high, you know. It's it's not a highly used engine, and when I pulled all the spark plugs out, um, they all looked fantastic. You know, you know, of they hadn't been changed like they were. Um, you know, they weren't brand new spark plugs, but they but they looked really as good as you can you know hope for uh, for an engine spark plugs to look like nice and yeah. clean. And I'm and just thinking if uh, if you're gonna run into any problems, you know, if I know from old cars and. What not if you leave them? Yes, then they they start to deteriorate, and using them is the best thing for them. So, yeah, do you see any issues with that engine that you're going to run into when you, you know, first start it up? And mate, well, the, the the main thing would be things like those. I'm replacing most of the gaskets on it, like so. So I'm go going around and, and changing a lot of the gaskets just to make sure that everything is everything looks good. Retalking everything up again, and yeah, and and sealing everything up. But uh, yeah, the rest are going to wing it. <laughs> uh, I mean, as I said, the engine looks quite healthy. Everything looks looks like it's in in really good condition. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned. Um, yeah, it's the, there's going to be more issues with the parts that I built rather than the uh, than that engine. I think is 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 more what I'm concerned about with that. But so you're uh, saying you're even more unreliable than a Ferrari. Up one hundred percent. Although, uh, yeah, uh, and and I mean, I was going to say, you know, it's a low bar, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that that comes together. But um, also on the uh, on the alpha side, actually, this morning on the um, 
I uh, finished a 24-hour work shift this morning and, and then headed down and just went and picked up the leather for my uh, for the alpha this morning. So I've got all the leather and all the carpet ready to, ready to go into the car. So that, that, should be, uh, that should be good moving forward. And yeah, um, yeah uh, and I had I did a bunch more work on the Rockster this week, and I, th- I think I actually finally worked out why it keeps overheating. I'm I'm almost certain now I know why, and it's because I'm a moron, which uh, again, the unreliable parts more less reliable than a Ferrari and all the rest of it is. Um, the issue I have with that car is it has a sealed. Um, radiator system, and I'm not an expert on. I'm, I'm becoming more of an, a, an expert on radiators because I'm starting to look at it. I sort of, I always ignored it as a, as a sort of, I don't know. I, you know, I, I've, I don't have problems with wiring, rewiring the engines and and doing sort of, you know, basic slash more advanced mechanical stuff on the engines. But um, yeah, the uh, the thing that that got me on on these is. Um, Basically, like a normal, a normal, an old car has a radiator cap, and I know how the expansion tank sort of works with the radiator cap. You know, the, basically the fluid, uh, when it gets hot, and the engine will push past the radiator cap and go out through the hose and go into the expansion tank, and it sort of gets funneled into the the bottom of the expansion tank, and then when the engine cools down again. Uh, Obviously, you know that that, that fluid is expanded. The, the, it will actually suck it back out of the expansion tank again, back in through the radiator cap, because the radiator cap actually has two valves in it: one for um, pressure and one for suction. So it it will actually suck a little bit of fluid out of the bottom of that expansion tank. So the only air is at the top of the expansion tank, so it shouldn't ever get air into the radiator. But it gives enough room for the the system to sort of expand and contract as it hits, heats and cools. On the Boxster, it's sort of harder. There's a bunch of hoses coming out. I didn't really understand how it was working, and I had the um, the the lower hose from the expansion tank on a normal engine as well it goes into the cold side of the radiator, and that's where I was filling it. And I had that connected up, and there's another hose coming on the Boxster going out that's already going to the radiators at the front, which I thought was the higher pressure area, but it's actually... It's actually just because there's a because the radiators are all the way at the front. The radiator pipes go down under the car, so they're lower than the engine, but then come back up to the radiators and stuff. Um, the The box actually has three lines going into it, and the third line, uh, well, actually, there's four lines coming out. There's the but one's just an overflow. Um, the third line that I didn't actually reconnect because I'm an idiot. Um, should actually go to the highest point in the engine itself. That's the hot side, and even though it doesn't have a normal radiator cap, it actually has like a, it has the internally inside the the, the pressure the, uh, the uh, expansion tank in the the Boxster. It has its own sort of thing that's inside, which I've now come to realise that, that it does that, and uh, yeah. So so there's yeah, I've got to connect up that line and connecting that up should actually fix my problem. But now, when I ran the car during the week, uh, I ran it up until it got hot like normal, but it was making a horrible rattling sound the whole time. And I think what has actually happened is that the water pump's gone dry and the water pump is like making a hell of a racket. I'm hoping it's the water pump and not anything else. But uh, yeah, the engine's not sounding good and like the whole thing has just been an absolute headache. But 
I'm learning. I'm learning, <laughs> and I'm, I'm 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 slowly understanding how this stuff works. And it's just, as I just on the on the Porsches because it's all hidden, and the engine's in the middle, and you the the expansion tanks are in the back, but you've got the radios in the front, and the whole thing is just a bit more complicated than a front engine car where everything's sitting there right in front of you. There's the engine, there's a radiator, there's expansion tank, all sitting next to each other, and it's all sort of relatively easy to get your head around or easier to get your head around so that has been my uh, <laughs> fighting with the uh, the uh, the boxster but i think i think i've got it i think i've got it sorted so i've got to connect that pipe up i've mostly done it now and i've got to bleed it again and then i can actually you know actually get the car to work and i think then that's why the thermostat I think the thermostat wasn't opening because I think there was still an air, massive air pocket in the top of the engine that even with the vacuum bleeder wasn't fixing because there was nothing to bleed at the very top of the engine, at the high part of the engine. So, yeah, hopefully I haven't killed the engine and, and done more damage or just, yeah, because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Engine so. number two coming out. <laughs> oh, I put that in, that Pulling that engine in and out is like is way harder than pulling the Ferrari engine now. It's such a pain in the ass. I'm going to uh, – I'll have to have a play around and I may even have to change the subframe again and make it easier. It's just – yeah, with the angles and things, it's just it's just harder than the easy way <laughs> getting that engine in and out. So, yeah, it is uh, – yeah, it is annoying. But, um, yeah, that's uh, that has been my week with, with that car. So um, – you, I saw you. Uh, you posted something uh, up the other day showing you might have a worked out what's going on with the Healy. Yeah, they had a look. Um, apparently, it's just a blown head gasket just between two cylinders. So as they explained it to me, I believe the gases and whatnot from the two cylinders were fighting each other. Yeah, um, which is hopefully the source of the the noise. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and just whack a new head gasket in it and put it back together and see if that's job done. But uh, Fingers crossed. I mean, fin- it, it sounded it, it, it sounded almost like bottom end when I heard it. But yeah. I can understand that, yeah, looking at the, the photos you showed me, so you, you had the, you know, it's a four-cylinder and the, the, the middle two cylinders were blown, you know, completely apart right in between, you know, the the two cylinders. So yeah, and luckily there was no, you know, water or coolant. Yeah, mixed in with that, and yeah, yeah. So didn't it's only... drive it too far and stopped it just in time, I reckon. So yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, like that could be hurting bearings and things like that when the pistons are trying to be slammed the wrong direction. You know, yeah, you know, against each other. So I imagine, yeah, it would have been an issue but well yeah we'll see how the uh it'd be interesting to see how it, how it goes do you any, any idea on when that's going to be done obviously now with everything closing down for christmas it's going to be uh yeah i mean I, I left it with them with the you know do it in your own time they've got other stuff to do yeah more important stuff so yeah you don't don't need it just as long as it no. doesn't uh, doesn't yeah. sit there forever as long as it doesn't sit there forever and as long as they figure out the problem take as long as they need yep yep yeah fair enough yeah well it is uh um yeah it's a cool little car if it if it, if it actually runs uh it sounds like my my parents with their um 
they're MGs. I know my dad's got a uh, an old MG TD, uh, sort of a 1953 MG that I think he's done the engine in it twice. Like it's just and he and he's only owned it I don't know five years, six years. Like like they're just. They should be a relatively simple thing that should run, but are just, yeah, they just aren't necessarily... <laughs> the, the joys of classic cars. Yes, yes. Well, um, I played around a little bit with Harry last week, uh, over the last week, but I still haven't done the full adjustment uh, on the throttle, and it did drop out again on me. I drove to work the other day, and I was I was sort of working, playing with the tune, but I haven't actually adjusted the uh, the throttle, which is the main issue, I believe, with the uh, that it was cutting out. And it did cut out when I was sort of getting on, getting onto the on-ramp. Um, it was also because the car was probably not quite warm enough to sort of be getting on it. It hit the rev limiter, and then it, then when it, when it backed off, it just, just went out of uh, adjustment. But uh, the rest of the drive home, it was fine, and, you know, I can... I can Still get on it, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've got to, I've got to fix it before I keep, you know, messing around with it like yeah. that. I mean, it seems it runs okay. It's just giving the the ECU an error, and then it drops the throttle out, and then I'm just sort of rolling until I sort of key off, key on, and then it goes again. But yeah, uh, it's I should I need a fix. <laughs> I need to I need to give myself a uh, a couple of minutes to uh, to fix it up. Um, I've been. Trouble is, like the last couple of days, I've been uh, um, doing something a bit different. Doing uh, building a deck out the back of back of my house, which I actually enjoy doing a bit of uh, sort of simple carpentry for a change, and something that I don't actually have to um, I don't have to film it, and I can just I can just take my time and and uh, yeah and and do something a little bit different. I, I yeah I enjoy those sort of. Yeah, it's always good to mix things up and try yeah. something different, learn a new skill if you haven't already got it. Or... Yeah. I've, I've built lots of decks before, but I haven't done it in a long time. I just seem to be spending a lot of time on cars, and when cars are giving me a little bit more of a headache, it's nice to actually just, just you know, do something else. I always I always need to be tinkering with something, but yeah. Especially it's... when you have three headaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. The the. the Cars and and I just keep building more cars, and the more I build, and the more I keep, the more headaches I'm going to have. Yeah, maybe just like finish one, and then like. Well, Harry is in it. theory finished ish, as much you're as any project. On it. Well, as much <laughs> as any car, like every pro, no project car is ever finished until you sell it. Then it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> that's basically how they always seem to work, and uh, yeah, that's uh, Harry. Harry will be you know. Something that I'll tinker with forever, I think. I, I like the others will, will, you know, I mean, even the, like at the moment, I don't plan on moving any of them on really, but uh, um, Harry particularly is sort of the the first one, and, and I may rebuild it at some stage. I may, like, my skill level's gotten better, and and uh, and there's things that I, yeah, there's things that I would do better again the next time, and it's pretty beaten up now. It's, it's, uh, it's, I I use it and I yeah. use it hard. Um, next time I think I'll put more paint protection on it, like I did on the the uh, the Alpha. Um, I, yeah, I definitely think it needs it. Like the, the whole the whole front end, the whole bonnet, particularly the bonnet, is really shit, like completely um, smashed up with uh, stone chips. The rest of it, the front guards and stuff, are not really that bad. Um, I covered the the bumper and only the front. Um, sort of 30 centimetres of the bonnet 
Um, and there's no stone chips on the on those bits. But but on behind that thirty centimeters, like all the way up the bonnet, there is lots of stone chips. <laughs> so. Luckily, you've got your own paint booth, and it's a flat color, so it should be easy to match. Well, trouble is, because it's the orange is so transparent. It's getting the base the same because I've done a couple of touch ups on it in time over time, and it's yeah, I still need to blend it. It's not as easy as you know some other colors would be. Um, Well, particularly because I didn't have a a ground coat for that. See, the the alphas get easier to to match because it's got like a. There's like a dull yellow you paint first, a dull yellow ground coat. So then when you paint the actual colour over the top, the dull yellow is covered and then the real colour is a match, is easy to match. Whereas the orange, it depends on the type of primer that I've used and because of how many coats it is and like it's sort of quite a transparent paint so it's hard yeah. to get that, that, that perfect match. So it's harder than, yeah, harder than you'd initially think. But yeah, uh, you'll figure it out. Uh, but but there's more like I'd like to strip the whole car down and do and just 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 do the whole thing again to a to a really good level at some stage. But uh, that that will be in well well into the future. I'll have uh, yeah yeah and better to do it sooner rather than later. I know a couple of our cars. Mm. Um, Dad was too stingy to get the PPF done. Yeah, and then you go to sell the car and it's covered in rock chips and you take a hit. On that end, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things, especially compared to the value of the car. You're better off just getting it wrapped and saving yourself a headache later on. Particularly when you're talking those higher end cars, which I assume, and and newer higher end cars, which I assume like yeah, the old McLaren stuff, and you don't want to mess Ferrari with stuff, yeah. Um, but newer stuff, yeah, just. Just do it. Well, the 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 other issue that that um, seems to hurt some of these cars is I know I, I've looked on uh, some of these uh, these threads, people talking about uh, you know Porsches, for example, and they're like, oh, oh, I don't like this car; it's covered in stone chips, or oh, oh, I don't want that car; the front end's been resprayed. It's like you can't win. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you, you lose either way. It's like, oh no, oh no, somebody's painted over the stone chips. The front. I don't want that car. That car's that car's not original. Yeah, it's, but if well, it's covered in stone chips, it's original, and it's got too many stone chips. We had a, a McLaren um, that we've sold, and the door is connect. Well, the underside of the car and the door are kind of one piece. Mm-hmm. When you open the door, it comes with it. Yeah. Which looks kind of crap, you know, when you're getting in and out. But someone was complaining about, you know, stone chips under it. It's like, well, it's under the car. It's going to get stone chips. Yeah. Like, and it's a used car. Like, if you, like, yeah. you're so worried, go buy a new car. Yeah. I just you, you can't please everyone, unfortunately. No, well, some people get really... I I See, I never buy the nicest version of any car, so I'm... I don't completely sort of understand this world because I never, I've, I've never ever bought a new car, and as I said, I, I usually buy the cheapest version of whatever car I'm buying, or close to it. Um, so I just assume that there are little faults with it, and and I'm saving money on that end. But when you're trying to sell these these really nice cars, it's just it, it just makes it. Uh, 
it's it's a world that I don't really want to to, to be in. Yeah. Uh, I often I look at these cars and go, oh, it'd be nice to have this, you know, that nice new shiny shiny thing. But then, yeah, again, when you go to sell it, oh no, you've you've actually driven it, which hence why also so many of these Ferraris these days don't get driven because every kilometer means you know. How much less you're going to get when you sell it? No, no, you've got to save it for the next person. It's like no, drive it. I, I, yeah. I would prefer to buy the highest kilometer version of whatever and uh, and use it and then resell it at the end with the most kilometers on it. And yeah, yeah. Well, and, like we touched on before, a lot of these cars that have not many kilometers on them, you still have to maintain them. And do services and stuff on wet, like just you know time expiry items and a lot of these things that have oh it's got two kilo- two thousand kilometers on it. It might have as many or more problems than a car that's got twenty thousand or thirty thousand kilometers just because it's sat there and done nothing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like like seals go all the all the rubber components sort of start to dry out, get brittle, and and uh, yeah, it's. Uh... I, I plan on using my cars. Um, I will get, like Harry will get a little bit of relief when um, the Alferrari is is done uh, and that will be my... Um, so like 2024? <laughs> well, hopefully not. Um, I am, you know, getting through through the list. I mean... People always ask, "When's when's it going to be done? How long? What, what's the time frame on the pro- project?" It's like it's it's done when it's done. I'm I'm not rushing it. I want to do it as best as I can. Um, some things I've had to sort of like along the way. I sort of looked at it and gone, "Well, I could spend another." You know, you know I've got this this thing to ninety five percent. You know, level doing that extra five percent. It's going to take twice as long again to get that five percent more. Fixing the when I remove the the uh, the bumper mounts off of the front of the car, I spent a day two two days probably total build just just removing the uh, the the two two bumper mounts on the front of the car and and hand making the patch panels and and. Uh, you know, hammering them out and smoothing them in, and they were really good. But were they file finished? Like, like were they? You know, where where you could basically just paint it and not not use not use any. You know, you know maybe high fill primer would be all you need to get it to completely flat. No, like they still needed a tiny little skim of, uh, of of filler just to just to get it perfect, and. I'm quite I'm quite happy with that. Like you could you could spend crazy amounts of time getting things, um, you know, a hundred percent perfect. But as one person doing this whole thing, there's there's a realistic time frame. But I, but I still I'm still very happy with the level of uh, level of work I've done on this car, and I think it's a, yeah. a high quality build. Um, but. I think there's always things you could you could potentially do better. You could potentially spend longer on this and longer on that. But um, I suppose. Do you have a a deadline or an event that you want to try and take the car to next year that you kind of want to have it done by? Or well, 
Well, I mean, I suppose we can get on to what what uh, my sort of plans are for the for the next year, seeing as we're sort of you know wrapping up this year very very quickly. Um, basically, I I. I think the car will be done this year uh, and it would be good to be able to take it to the Adelaide Rally, but we'll have to just see. Um, you know, the Adelaide Rally is in November, so I've got the whole year to get it done. But that means that the car's got to be not just completely together, but I still have to go through. There's still time frames with the paperwork and things like that with the engineering and um, dynoing uh, and, and then shakedown. Because because that's a that's a huge part of these cars. Like you know, you get it inverted commas finished, but actually then taking it out on the road and going, okay, well I have to change this, I have to change this, I have to change this because these little things that you know I've spent a lot of time thinking about all these things along the way. But till you actually drive it, you might go, oh, that's not going to work like that. You got to do it this way, or it's you know this has got a bit more vibration than it's supposed to, so I'm going to have to change this or whatever. Like you know, these things are. These things rear their heads. It's just just how it is with with all of these builds. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully get it done within the next you know six months, maybe. Yep. I mean, it it seems like it's really close, but you, I've still got all of the interior to. So as I said, I've got the leather now, but uh, I'm I've got to bolster the seats and retrim the seats. I've got to. Uh, um, you know, I'll retrim the entire interior and make a custom center console still. I've got uh, all of the wiring to finish. I've made the wiring looms, but I've got to terminate all the wiring. I've got to get everything integrated in together. I've still got to wire up the uh, electric power steering. Um, there is there is lots of things to finish off. All of the, the interior trim bits. Oh, that's another big thing I've got to do is I've got to get the the stalks of the indicators and um, wipers and all that sort of stuff working. I could, seeing as I've got a Toyota power steering rack, I could use the Toyota power steering, the Toyota plastic, um, da- uh, what do you call it, steering column surround and, and Toyota plastic stalks and all that sort of stuff. But I don't want to do that because I don't want this ugly Toyota, you know, center you know toyota steering column in there i just it looks ugly i want to try and make something i want to try and modify the alpha stuff to work with the toyota stuff but then i need more stalks than what the alpha does because i need a power st- a, a, a cruise control stalk and there's and i'm gonna have to custom make a lot of these things to make them work it's not just a simple matter of bolting it together it's a matter of making looking at all these problems making everything all the wiring work and this it's it's quite a complicated little little thing but i want it to look old as i mentioned before i don't i'm not a fan of you know putting a modern car like a newer car's interior a different new car interior into a classic because i just think it looks yeah like it very soon looks like a dated you know, a dated plastic interior inside a classic car that just doesn't line up. I want it yeah. to look like the old car or like a an updated version of the old car but still have the feel, like what Singer does, like what um, a lot of these sort of, you know, good high-end things do. You keep the feel but, but maybe have a bit more functionality and, and things like that. So 
Lots more to keep going. Yeah. Yes. And um, what about yourself? Have you got plans for the uh, the next next year? What are, what are your uh, plans as far as driving and um, projects and things like that? Nothing okay. set in stone. Uh, I've got the Formula Ford and the Formula 3 car mm-hmm. that I need to pull out and do something with, even if it's just a couple track days just to keep them running. Yep. Uh, get everything moving. Um, may as well do some race weekends, I guess. Uh, as long as I can line it all up and make it work. Yep. Beauty of the Formula Ford is it's just pump fuel and it's an old engine, so there's not much to tinker with, really. What engine's in the, in the, the Formula Ford? It's yeah. a 1600 uh, Ford Escort engine, I believe they was out of. Okay. And and like because I haven't seen the car, but like uh, they they're basically an open wheeler. It's no no aero on a Formula Ford. No, no, yeah, it's okay. It's, it's Which just, is why the racing is always really good because you can get right up in someone's gearbox and you don't have to worry about aero wash or anything like that. Yeah. Whereas the F three is obviously you know a lot more aero, a lot more um, that sort of thing to to consider to think about. Yeah, I mean. If you can just be at the front, then, <laughs> then you don't have to worry Perfect. about any of that. That's all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and and how how did how did being at the front work work for you when you were when you were racing Verstappen and Sites and a lot trickier. But you know, I thought I held my own. Um, yeah, yeah. You just. Uh, Need to drag them out. Need to have some fun. Hopefully, do some track days and some of the road cars as well. Yep. Um, but that's yeah. the plan for twenty twenty three. Have more fun. Maybe do some away events. You know, uh, overseas. Go to Good Revival. Yes, that's um, on my list for some stage. I I I don't have any current plans, but um, well, this year I plan on going to the Rensport reunion in. Um, the US, which is near, you know, Laguna Seca, it's, yeah. it's run. So, Monterey. Yeah. So, so I'm very keen to, uh, to get over there for that and do a bit of, uh, yeah, go on, go on, sort of do a little bit of, uh, travel around the US as well. Um, Mrs. Jeff will come with me to the, uh, uh, afterwards. She won't, she, she, she'll sort of come after the, the Rensport reunion part. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't have to sit and do the car stuff. Fair I'm lucky enough. that she's she's very tolerant with the 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 cart stuff and you know and is fine for, fine for me doing it but she doesn't particularly enjoy it <laughs> so she she definitely doesn't enjoy the uh, like coming on she wouldn't do the Adelaide rally with me she she she'd be sick within two corners so <laughs> so yeah <laughs> she's no good as a passenger although neither am I to be honest yeah um, yeah and. Uh... Hopefully, my brother-in-law, who's actually far more talented at driving than I am, his name's uh, Garnet Patterson, so everyone go check him out and get behind him. Yep. He's uh, he's doing the, what is it, the Asian uh, Le Mans series. Yep. Uh, I think they race in Middle East, like Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yep. He's doing that with United Autosport. Uh, so hopefully, maybe go out and see him do that. Yep. Um, I don't know what else he's got in the works yet. Um, but hopefully he's racing all over and I can go and watch and yep. hold the drink bottle for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that sounds good. And I suppose you've got some coaching days and things that they're probably not booked in yet. So that there'll be a bit of coaching and that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, I think there's talk of one in April or something. Yeah. Hopefully get a couple more in there. Yeah. Well, we do have to get the... um uh, get the I, if I can actually get the Rockster going again, I'll get it to the track so you can blow it up again. So, did not blow it up. <laughs> you were driving when it blew up. I was driving <laughs> when the light came on because someone mistreated it before me. <laughs> I still never let you live that down. I, <laughs> I do recall it was a warm up lap, and I didn't start the lap, and I went straight in the pits. You're yeah, welcome. It was too late. You decided to drive it home. <laughs> Yeah, and that didn't that didn't go very far. No. <laughs> when 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 it it starts making the bottom end death rattle, uh, yeah, it doesn't drive for a lot longer after that. I got maybe, uh, I got fifteen k's, twenty k's from the track, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> until it just went bang and and uh, yeah, it got louder and louder until it went really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I will. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I'll sort the, uh, you know, I, I think now finally wrapping my head around the rocks that means that I'll actually be able to uh, get it going. And once, like I mentioned before, I've got all these cool parts to put onto the thing, but I, it wasn't worth doing any the cosmetic and, you know, like changing the seats out and things like that. It's not worth doing any of that stuff until I actually get the thing driving and running properly. And I think now I've worked it out and, but, uh, but yeah, I may have to pull the engine again to actually uh, pull the engine to change the water pump. And once I've done that, then yeah, then I should be I should be able to, to uh, um, yeah to to actually start driving it and, and yeah. tune it properly and all the all the things that I need to do. I can get all that stuff uh, get all that stuff done. So yeah. So you mentioned the Adelaide Rally that's in November. Yes. Is it a case of you can kind of put that one on hold slightly and, you know, put all your time into the Rockster, get that running so you can do some track days and stuff beforehand and then... You, you mean know, the Alferrari? Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, yeah. And then just dive all the way into the Alferrari once you finish that? Yes. Um, yeah, well... Because uh, it can't be efficient pinballing between all the different vehicles. No, the uh, uh, well, well, the thing is, is it gives me a break. Like it's nice to be able to jump between the vehicles, so that I'm not just. Uh, the reason why I, I like having a, at least, well, it's generally just two projects going. But then Harry jumps in every now and then because I need to do something because I've got the the project to, um, you know, you know, I've got something I've got to do with it. Um, but generally, it's the Alferrari, and then the Rockstar is sort of like. You know, I'm doing one type of work on the Alferrari, say it's wiring, and then I can go over to the the um, the Rockster and I can be doing the the you know the radiator stuff, the cooling or whatever. So I can jump between and sort of get myself in a different headspace and give myself a bit of a break when I'm starting to get overloaded on one. I can sort of go on the other. So that's why I like having a couple of projects. And also, if I'm waiting on parts and things like that, I can sort of have one going in the other. Um, but generally, I want I like having the big project and then the side project and that, that, you know, but I don't like having too many projects at once. I, I like to keep it sort of, you know, the main focus is the Alferrari and every week I spend at least two days on the Alferrari and, uh, the Rockstar, um, I spend, you know, the, any extra time I have depending on, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many days off I've got that week with my, you know, shift work as a firefighter for my day, day job so 
yeah, when I'm when I'm not at at work, I'm working in the <laughs> in the shed, and I don't I don't really do much else besides besides that, and uh, yeah, and now doing this this podcast, you know, with me, like yeah, you. with you. <laughs> so yeah, so that's um, yeah, that's uh, keeping everything everything rolling and and sort of my plans for next year. I'm still I'm I'm tossing up. I'm starting to question my my next project car whether I whether I do do the the ramp truck or whether ramp I do truck. the other the other project no, that no, I had ramp in mind. Truck. <laughs> do, do the ramp truck. I'm just worried that that a lot of viewers won't will will just be less interested and and I and I'll lose a uh, you know I lose the momentum the 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 channel momentum that I have with the. It's always going to be a project that people don't like or you know. There's going to be Ferrari people that hate what you're doing to the Alpha and the engine of the Ferrari, and there's going to be people like Porsches that go, you ruined it with that purple tartan shit. And yeah. It's more what I see is that, that like I, I notice it with my channel as it is, um, that if I do a, a Harry video, the 911 stuff, it's it gets you know half to two-thirds of the views of what an Alpha Ferrari video gets. You know, obviously, most people the Alfarari is the uh, is the, the 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 new shiny, more interesting project, and because I've sort of got my my niche into these, you know, the you know high uh, resto mod builds, I should I should say that's what more people are interested in the resto mod sports car, whereas I think less people will be interested in in trucks. So uh, you know, and doing doing a uh, um, yeah, a ramp. Maybe truck. you need to have a main project again and use the ramp truck as a side project because I think you're going to need a ramp truck. I I definitely am going to need or one. I'm going to have to build a one. big ass trailer eventually, especially if you're, you know. I know you drove Harry down to to Adelaide, yeah. Adelaide, but you know, if something does happen or breaks down, and then you're stranded there. Yeah. And you've got massive towing fees and all that stuff associated with it. And the the Rockster is going to be a track-only car. Yeah. And that trailer you have now is, well, it's not horrible. It's just the, the car, when track car is low. Yes. The Healy struggled to get on it. So you're going to need something eventually. Yes. I mean, and if look, it means you can do more events, then that's more content and it's a win in the end anyway. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I do... That trailer is, look, it's great having a car trailer. I have a car trailer. It has a winch on it. It's it's a usable thing, but it's it's a heavy steel trailer that's got short ramps on it. Um, so there's there's the big, you know, there's obviously the big initial angle, but then there's also the secondary um, sort of breakover angle that you scrape the underside of the car when you're getting onto the trailer. So I always try and sort of park you know, at the bottom of a, of a, of a hill and incline. So the ramps are all, you know, getting closer to level. So you can sort of drive the car straight on that. That's ideal. Um, yeah, I'll, it, it, it's something that I've considered. I mean, the ramp truck would be good to keep that trailer, keep the ramp truck and I can have, have both. Yeah. Cause ramp trucks are still not that easy to get onto because they're higher than the trailer. Pretty sure you can build it how you like. Yeah. But you've still got the issue of that. You pretty, you've got to drive over the top of the wheels, and the wheels are a bigger diameter than the trailer. You know, they're 
at least with the car trailer, you can drive between the wheels generally. You can get a car that can fit between the wheels, but anything on the truck is going to have to be sort of probably um, dual rear tyres. I'm just hearing excuses. Yeah, it just means that you're going to have to drive a lot higher up onto the trailer, so you're going to need really, really, really long ramps, possibly. So I'm I'm thinking about possibilities and I'll, of, uh, yeah... I'll see. I think I think I might do the next project, which I still haven't announced yet. So I've been, you know, I, I've been thinking about that, but that won't take me as long as the other ones. It's not quite as in depth as this. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. We'll, we'll I'll leave I'll leave that there. Um, a teaser is maybe it's more of an '80s car rather than a '70s or a '60s car. That's that's the the next project. But uh, I think I think it should be still still a fun one and something I can still use a lot more being slightly newer be you know it's a little bit of a simpler project but it's it'll be a really sort of fun cool daily driver possibly possibly be able to tow the the uh the car trailer at least so yeah we'll see hmm. <laughs> so um yes i suppose that uh covers most of it and um we thought we'd we'd sort of end up the episodes with some um, some fun some fun quirky facts about ourselves and see if we have a sort of a bit of a as opposed to my my videos with the fun facts, Mrs. Jeff. This is a fun fun Spike fact and a fun Jeff fact. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off with a uh, one time in the Formula Three during a race. I thought I shit myself. <laughs> 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 and and to top it off, happen? I was wearing a white suit. Oh yes, so you would have looked like a little. Uh, you would have looked like you had a little uh, brown Smurf tail. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did this happen? What what was the what was the circumstances in this? Uh, so where were you first? It was uh, European Formula Three at yep. Hockenheim. Yep. Um. And what a lot of people might not realize is the amount of build-up time before a race. Yeah. So you've got your, obviously, getting ready, then you've got your dummy grid or your pre-grid mm-hmm. where everyone's got to you know, be there 20 minutes, half an hour before. You actually pull on the track, mm-hmm. there's that, and then you get a warm-up lap, then you're sitting on the grid, and then everything happens. So it's quite a bit of time. Um and I used to like to get in the car kind of early, strap in and put my helmet on so I wouldn't talk to anyone or, you know, just be at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's obviously a big gap sometimes. And uh, during the race, I had a bit of a, a tummy rumble. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh, okay. Halfway through the race, there's no pulling over to uh, just take a quick break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone just slow down. I'll be right back. (laughs) Um, And on the back straight, or call it a straight, it's a kink at Hockenheim, uh, there's a bit of a dip. And as I was going through the dip, I tried to release some pressure. And (laughs) (laughs) I uh, really did think that I had shit myself. So I spent (laughs) part of the... uh, the rest of the race thinking about how I was going to get from the park Ferme, you know, where everyone goes and they <laughs> scrutinize the cars to the toilet 
without exposing my little Smurf tail, as you call it. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, once I got to uh, the toilet and I could check, I was all good. <laughs> and the relief was there. Yes. And you didn't have to get a new white suit. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, I suppose on, on that vein, I might... Uh, there, there, was a, uh, there was an interesting thing that happened when I was uh, actually camping at, at Bathurst, at the Bathurst 12-hour. Uh, most years I generally have been going with uh, a bunch of, bunch of mates. And, um, yeah, there was one, one, I think it was early morning or it might have been evening, but I was, I was I'd, I'd, we were camping, camping at the top of the hill and there was mud everywhere and it was, it was, it was a wet, muddy particular, this particular time. And I managed to walk down to the to the uh, the shower block, and it's quite a big camping area. There'd be hundreds of people, and there, and there's a line of probably twenty showers in this in this shower block. But there was a big line of people waiting for the shower. So I lined up, waited there, um, got in, and uh, and sort of you know stripped off, jumped in the shower, and then I'm like, and then I realised, oh no, I forgot to bring my soap. I had, you know, I brought everything else um, along with me. I had my towel and my change of clothes and all that sort of stuff that was all, all ready to go. And I'd lined up and, you know, through the mud and it's, you know, and it's also, you know, it's a couple hundred metres back to the tent and all the rest. Of, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going back. And so I had to look around and I'm like, what, what can I wash myself with? I'm here. I've got to you know, sort of bathe myself and I just stick your hand under the, the door of the guy next door and ask for some <laughs> Yeah. <stuff>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so I might have actually uh, washed my nether regions with toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been refreshing. That's all I had. So I had toothpaste, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not giving out now. So, so out came the toothpaste, and yeah, and uh, yeah, I was minty fresh everywhere. <laughs> You're sick. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't shit myself. <laughs> I didn't shit myself. <laughs> I just thought I had. Ah, <laughs> oh, so on that note, I think um yeah, we'll uh, we'll call it for this week and uh, I think we'll probably there'll probably be a couple week hiatus um we'll uh, regroup and start again in the new year, I think. And um yep, yeah, and sounds see. good and uh Again, if you guys have any questions you want us to answer or uh, any queries about Jeff cleaning himself with toothpaste and how he did it, <laughs> what brand of toothpaste he used, yeah, uh, yeah, let us know. Yep. Um, actually, uh, I think there was there was a question, but uh, I think we'll we'll save that for the uh, for the next one because I can't. I can't remember it off the top of my head, and I have to look it up. But I did see that somebody had actually asked. Uh, uh, at least, at least there was at least one. Um, <laughs> so yes, bring your questions in, whatever they are. We're happy to to answer them. But uh, on that note, I suppose um, I hope everyone has a uh, a merry Christmas and a happy New Year. And yeah, again, let us know what you think. Send your questions through. Yep, sounds good. And we'll uh, hear from you in the new year. All right, thanks, see you guys. guys.